Angeles. And I'm Dean in North Carolina. And I'm Jerry Ellsworth in Silicon Valley. This is Hack a Week, Episode 9. Woohoo! Ooh, did I do it right? Yeah, close it out. Coast to coast, you know. Coast, coast to coast. That by now, because we're famous, I hope. Yeah. Space, it reminds me of Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. It does. That's what I, I thought. It was a great show. I love that show. Can I be the uh, kind of evil uh, bug in the corner? Yes. yes. What is that bug's name? I forget his name. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was Brack, by far. <laughs> Brack was cool. Well, thanks for having me on. This is going to be fun. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, um, God, so much going on, like you know, right now with all the the maker community thing, with the with the um, whole deal with Maker Media and all that. I listened to some um, the latest podcast from uh, Make It, great podcast by the way, um, and they were talking about it, you know, what they think, where it's going to go, what's going to happen. And we had Caleb on last week, Caleb Craft, and um, he was saying that it, maybe it's going to survive. It looks like it's going to. Who knows? It's all about money. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Uh, you know, Maker Faire uh, having to shut down. But yeah, I think there's going to be some vestiges of it uh, living on for sure. Well, definitely. It's just that maker community. I mean, Emily and I already talked about that a bit, how that's just going to continue no matter what. Um, it's that tribal thing, you know? So yeah. Makers got to make. That's right. <laughs> It's a compulsion. No, I, I saw a student here at Caltech where I work, and he was wearing a shirt like that. And I was like, "Hey, I like your shirt." And he looked so frightened. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was—it was like a deer caught in the headlights. And I was like, "Hey, relax, kid. I'm just enjoying your T-shirt. <laughs> like, like you can go on your way now." <laughs> <laughs> wow, traumatized the poor guy. <laughs> Well, anyway, Jerry, we just want to kind of, um, if viewers viewers and listeners um, that don't know who you are, um, I've been acquainted with you online since I think about 2007, maybe, something like that. Back wow. when you were doing the videos, it was Fat Man and Circuit Girl, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was way when, back. <laughs> yeah, you were like video streaming before it was a thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I suppose you want to know a bit about my background. Um, right. So I've, I've been a maker my entire life, ever since I was probably like five or six years old, uh, old enough to grab a screwdriver from my dad's uh, toolbox and start taking apart my toys. So I did race cars. Uh, I did that for five years. I used to build them and I used to race them. And then I opened a chain of retail computer stores in the 90s and grew that to five stores until the whole computer store market like just imploded in 2000. And then I moved to Silicon, well, I started coming to Silicon Valley and started uh, brute forcing my way into doing electrical engineering for startups down here. Um, it was really tough to actually do that, but uh, I managed to uh, kick off a career without going to school for electrical engineering. Um, then to get to the, the part you're talking about with videos, I started working with a company called New Tech that made a box that you just plugged into the internet that would stream video back when streaming video was uh, not an easy thing to do and YouTube was super duper early and so I'm like, well, I'm working at this company making video compression boxes. I should figure out what this uh, uh, video streaming thing is. So I started this little series with a musician, a video game musician called George Sanger. And so his nickname was Fat Man. And so he's like, I'm going to call you Circuit Girl. And so every Sunday we would get together much like this. And uh, the two of us would invent things. And then we would share them live video stream to whoever that would uh, log in. We ended up 
getting a huge following. It was uh, really surprising. And then from there, I started doing a bunch of YouTube videos and trying to do hard science um, in my garage, like making semiconductors. Um, sometimes I do art projects, like I made a Commodore 64 bass guitar, which is a Commodore 64 computer that has the neck of a, a bass guitar on it and actually runs all the sound through the, the original Commodore sound chip. And which somebody stole, as I remember. Yeah, someone stole it. Yeah. yeah, we were having like a hacker, you know, thing at my uh, co-founder's house, and it just disappeared after it. It's really sad. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, yep. There, there you go. There's the bad side. There's always a bad side and a good side to everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was long-winded. So that's my uh, my background. Yeah. Done some stuff. I've actually heard the the more long-winded version on a couple other interviews, but <laughs> quite an interesting background, especially with the whole uh, computer store thing during that time. Yeah, where, I just, was, where was your chain located? It was in Oregon. So I had a chain of stores, uh, Monmouth Independence, uh, Eugene, uh, Corvallis, Canby. Someone actually just wrote to me. I, I mentioned that in a podcast recently. I'm like, yeah, I had a store in Canby and some of these other places. And they're like, do you know your store is still running in Canby? I'm like, really? Like 20 years later, like the store is still going? I can't believe it. Because in 2000, like after year 2000, it was like a booming year for, or prior to 2000, it was a booming year for us because everyone was upgrading because the end times were coming. And so we we're upgrading all these computers and all of a sudden sales dropped to zero afterwards. Mm. And so I eventually just gave my stores away to the employees and said, like, if you can make a go of it, have fun. I'm going to go do something else. But yeah, one of the stores is still going. I can't believe it. I'm not sure if it's the same uh, proprietor or not, but. That's cool. Wow. That's like how there's a couple of Radio Shacks here and there that have survived because like someone took over a Radio Shack and they're just like kind of forging their own way without like the parent brand anymore. They're just like stocking electronics kits and whatever. And it's like, hey, that's cool. Like, like there's like one in Michigan or something like that. And they're just kind of on their own and they're doing it, which is pretty neat. I love that. Maybe you guys know, I heard, it was probably just a rumor that Adafruit bought the name Radio Shack. Wow. But that's kind of cool if they did. It's when, a cool rumor. I don't know. I think I would have heard more about it. But Yeah, I could see how that would be possible, I suppose. Um, that's a weird story in and of itself, the whole Radio Shack thing. Because um, I'm sure Jerry and I both had that moment when you were, what, teenager in your 20s, walked into a Radio Shack? Or when was the first time you walked into a Radio Shack? How old were you? Oh, I was probably like nine or 10, just old enough to be able to ride my yeah. bike there. Well, I lived in this really tiny, tiny town. And there were no resources for nerds like me that wanted to do computers and electronics. But we had a Radio Shack. So yeah. I would go there and you know, I was building pirate radio stations and things like that. And, uh, you know, I'd pay my like $4 for a power transistor and a little blister pack. But <laughs> yeah, it was 10 or 11 for me, something like that. Shopping with my mom. It's like, mom, can we, can we go in there for a minute? And I walked in and it was like, just please buy me everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. And those god awful Radio Shack pencil soldering irons that would last about a Two month weeks. and then they would decompose <laughs> to uh, dust. Terrible. They were terrible. I don't know how many of those I went through. It was years before I got a real soldering iron, but they made you, Yeah. maybe like, you know, the shitty tool made you a better 
you know, craftsmen at soldering because you had such a crap tool to work with. I think so. I mean, I was doing everything to try to keep my little Radio Shack pencils going. I would, you know, take the file and try to file the chip down and it would corrode immediately. Constantly, until it was like an eighth of an inch long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I didn't even know that like pencil soldering irons were a thing when I was a kid. And like I, I was trying to do electronics, but like my dad didn't know anything about this stuff and I didn't have any resources really. So I was using his like soldering gun, you know, like oh, yeah. pull the trigger. The and, like, worst time soldering. And like half the reason was because I was using that thing, and the other half was because like I was like, Dad, do we have solder? And he gave me solder. But it was plumbing solder, and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> like just the worst time trying to make anything. I'd like burn up all my components and just get solder everywhere. And, and all that acid core solder eating everything up. Yeah. yeah, it just all turns green in a week, and you wonder why. I had yeah. the same one, Emily. I, that's what I started out with. My dad's Weller two two settings too. I think it was like fifteen and thirty five watt. There were two clicks to the trigger. Yeah, I think my, my dad's was from Sears. It was a Craftsman. It was this big black heavy thing. Yeah. But yeah, it had the, like you could t toggle the trigger in two directions to right. like the two wattage. Yeah. Wow, you guys had a deluxe soldering gun. I think my dad only had one that was just full trigger, you know, full throttle. <laughs> I, do, I, I ended up using the thing, you know, I don't know, just I don't know, maybe coax uh, shields and stuff like that. But I eventually burned the tip out and I didn't realize you could actually replace them. So the tip is like busted apart. Yeah. So I had to like, bend it past and get it to just barely like spring close so it would still get hot yeah i and used to make them out of coat hanger wear i made uh, dozens of them out of coat hanger wear but they wouldn't last very long they they burn up quick too and they wouldn't they didn't tin yeah. worth a damn like, you guys are smarter than i was <laughs> so, one of my twitter friends his name he goes by rue Moore. i don't know what his real name is but he showed he built a little jig on a piece of board for making those tips so he just takes a piece of copper wire of like whatever gauge and it's just a bunch of screws put into this board and he just he bends a tip and he was like making a tip like in 10 seconds and he just made a tip made a tip made a tip and he had like 20 tips and i was like oh my god dude but that's how he does it because he doesn't want to go buy them and like they corrode because they're just copper but like then he just makes a new one i was like holy shit dude that's awesome did he like smash the kind of pointy part of it or something to thin yeah. it out yeah, you do his little bend and then smack it with a hammer and then on to the next one. Oh, ingenious. Uh, I, you know, a similar story to that. This is going to be really a tangent. But I met a guy that worked at the Estes Rocket Motor Company, the little amateur rocket motors. And he was telling me how they make those, like, terrible igniters that never work. So they take a piece of wire, they run it across the fixture, and then they have a little... Uh, guillotine knife that comes down and smacks it and makes a little uh, thin spot in it and then they bend it and tape it and dip it into some gunpowder like material but I was you know as a kid I always wanted to make those igniters and had no clue how to do it but the process to make them is extremely simple yeah at some point I, I ended up with a whole bunch of like eight watt resistors and I just started using those in place of those igniters because I was like I have a bunch of these and they're really cheap and, like they worked really well um because I, I like I had to convince my parents to take me to the hobby store because there wasn't one like I could just walk to or ride my bike to and then they were expensive so it was like well I had all these resistors so I just started using those and they they worked surprisingly well I had fewer problems with them than I did with the dumb Estes ones so you know, again, you guys are way smarter than I was. I, I ended up burning two acres of grass because I tried to light a, a rocket by sticking a sparkler up in the bottom of it. And 
and whatever this contraption trying to get the, the sparkler up in the bottom of it caused the rocket when it took off to like fall over sideways and go shooting through all the dry grass. Wow. So you got a nice grass fire going. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. Wow, scary. I plenty of fires like, you know, I, I think in, I made somewhere in like scouting, I learned how to make one of those monkey's paw things out of rope where it's like a ball on the end of a rope, right? And like, I just had it like sitting around my room forever. And then like one day I was out in the front yard and I was like, I have an idea. And I like, I dipped the ball in kerosene and I lit it on fire and I was swinging it and swinging it. And it's making this big like circle of fire. And I'm like, oh my God, this is really cool. And then it burned through the rope and the burning ball flew all the way across the street, probably like 70 feet and landed in the neighbor's bushes and caught all their bushes on fire. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so bad. They were not happy. Wow. Like so you're lucky you didn't Marvel. set your hair on fire, your <laughs> beautiful long hair. Oh man. That's like something out of a Marvel movie. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I was quite a pyro myself. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, if you're watching this, don't, don't play with matches. It's bad. Yeah. Or put a cable inside that rope. He's a metal Just hack that thing. Uh well, we, we usually ask um, our guests and each other every week, you know, what the, what's the craziest thing you recently did that was a mistake that you made that you kind of went, oh, well, duh, I learned something from it, though, you know, because, you know, I'm sure you're aware how that works with mistakes. They can be good things. And that's how you learn. Um, so any kind of a recent one that was. That you, you guys go first. Let me think. Yeah. OK. <laughs> you go Let's first. See. No, the pressure's on. Okay, no, let's see. Um, this week, not so much anything in the shop because it's been all about the business. Um, I know Jerry can relate to that. When you're running a business, sometimes it just takes over everything. It has to. Um, I don't really know if there's been anything that was one of those significant moments where um, other than um, – putting some stuff together this week where I had all these pieces and parts and I kept, I, I had two carburetors to build. They were like 300 parts each on this one carburetor. It's a ridiculously complex thing. And uh, three different times I thought it was finished with the carburetor and I wasn't when I set it aside and looked at it later. No, I forgot that part. And so then I went and got these little plastic bins. So I guess the mistake was just trying to work from a pile of parts thinking you've got the whole thing done. And so I got organized where it's, everything is in a bin. And once the bins are empty, then I know I've actually completed the carburetor. So that's yeah. about the closest thing I could, I could say to a, a mistake this week that was something that I learned something from and, and improved upon a method. So. I mean, I have a, a little stupid one. Uh, I went out uh, camping this weekend, doing a little gold prospecting and a little ham radio uh, stuff. And uh, I wanted to do some radio stuff. And so I strung up an antenna and got it all going, got the radio going, and then plugged in the computer because I wanted to do a digital mode, digital communication over ham radio. Opened up the laptop and started the uh, ham radio software. And it said, oh, this version of the software is only good until, you know, some day that was uh, three days before. So you know, lesson learned, if you're going to go way out into the woods with no cell phone or internet connection, test all your uh, radio gear before you uh, do all the work to string the antennas up into the uh, the trees and just to find out that you can't use the expired software. 
make sure you're completely updated while you have a connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, but one good thing came came from we were in a campground, so people saw us stringing the stuff up. So people came over and they're like, "Oh, what's that?" So I got to tell people about ham radio and you know educate people. And then uh, we pulled out the one watt uh, violet laser and shot it into the sky and impressed everyone. Oh, awesome. That's cool. So I don't think I have a fail since last week. And uh, Dean, if, I, if I've mentioned this on a previous episode, go ahead and stop me. But I think my last big fail was when I picked up, it was a, a thermal printer that I got on the e-waste at work here. And it was, so it was meant as like an, like an ultrasound printer, right? So you feed it composite video and then like you press print and then it captures whatever's like in its memory right then. And it prints Oh, is it. that one of those composite video input type? Yeah. I have one on my SIM. Cool. my electron microscope. Okay, go ahead. So I picked it up out of the e-waste and like half the time the e-waste here, it's like actually broken and half the time things are just like, well, they got a new one. So they're just throwing the old one out. Well, this one was broken and it was an issue with the power supply. And so I was troubleshooting the power supply. And it's just a switch mode power supply. I'm trying to figure out like, why does this thing not work? Like it, there's voltages in some places on some rails and not on others. And I'm like testing this thing and like, I can't figure it out. And, um, I, I unplug it to like flip the board over to look at it and like I curl my thumb around the board and my thumb touches like two traces that go to a big cap and I put 400 volts through my thumb and um, it made two nice big black uh, smoky spots on my thumb <laughs> and that hurt quite a bit. So uh, I guess I learned always uh, make sure your caps are discharged, which is probably something I should have learned a long time ago. Don't hammer you. Jerry's got a burn finger story, don't you, Jerry? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Back to rocket fuel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I learned, uh, you know, when you're making uh, sugar rocket motors, don't, uh, you know, try to hold the rocket fuel on your fingers if you're testing it. Sometimes it burns faster than you expect. Really fast. <laughs> and then there's also a, a make uh, tie-in to that. So the folks at uh, Make Magazine commissioned a... Uh, drawing done of me because there was a picture of me online holding my finger up like oh, I'm so proud I burned the tip of my finger off and uh, so they commissioned this picture of like me as a robot with like smoke shooting out of my finger so that's thank cool. you uh, folks from Make Magazine that was uh, that's a good one that's been your um, it's been your avatar your Twitter picture a couple of times here and there I know I love it I mean just because there's so much uh, I don't know love behind it it was no, great a good one. yeah it is Great. It actually captures your whole essence pretty good too. Whoever <laughs> do it, it's a great yeah. character. Yeah, that's a good one. I had one uh, YouTube viewer do that. They just uh, got his thing in the mail one day, um, and I'm not even sure how he got my address, which was a little bit creepy. But uh, <laughs> it might have been somewhere where I posted something on a forum. Somebody else and they picked it up. But anyway. It was cool. It was a caricature that he drew. And he said, go ahead, keep it, use it however you want, you know. And it was before I had some dental work done. And it was like, I had a tooth with a cavity, but he just drew it as a missing freaking tooth. So I'm like, it's hillbilly, Dino. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's great. I got it around here somewhere still. But caricatures are like that, you know. You see I gotta love all the like really heartfelt things that uh my fans send to me. It's it's really, really flattering. I mean, I don't, I feel like I don't deserve it. It's, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. Just occasionally there's like this comment that will come in at the, just the right time, or, you know, someone will send me something or right. it's, it's just really flattering because 
you know, I just do this because I just have to build and I have to make it's like, if there wasn't an audience there, I would probably be building and making anyway. So I definitely would be. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the way it was with me. And then, you know, I saw you doing videos and went, yeah, you know, I think I could do some videos. It'd be kind of fun. You know, some of these ideas I have on forums and then I put up a YouTube video initially to do a little bit of that and then found out that I liked it. And then I realized you could actually do the sharing thing with people, inspire people, and you get a little bit of money from the monetization on YouTube. So why not? Yeah. You know, and so that's what it was. So it's, you know, it's kind of turned into grocery money. It's definitely not a living for me, but yeah. nice. And I do like the, like, 30,000 hours away from getting monetized. So I've got a ways to go yet, but um, maybe I'll get there one of these days. They've tightened up the rules since a few years ago. So it's a lot harder to get monetized now. Oh, once you do it, you're going to get so rich. <laughs> That's a joke. Of course. <laughs> exactly. There's a few people, very few one, but it's a funny thing. I've, you know, in the last few years, it's pretty much just like nonsensical bullshit makes the most money. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and as someone who like puts all their heart and effort into doing these like half hour long edited down videos that, that I'm sure, you know, five hours it goes into that or more 20 sometimes. And then you see that and you go, <laughs> God, I always, I always find it funny on my YouTube channel. Like there'll be a video where it's like, I mean, to do semiconductors at home, it literally took me five years of research and experimenting. And before I did my first video, did the video and you know there was some nice views on it or comments and views on it. And then I do something that's just completely like simple, like artistic and it's like a million views. So it's like crazy. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Happens that was a really that was a neat little series too, by the way, that you were making the semiconductors. I followed that when it happened. Uh, it's been a long time since I did one of those videos, but I've been collecting gear. So now I have a reactive ion etcher. I have a new sputter coder. You know, someday when I'm not so busy, um, that series will kick back into gear again. So, you know, this is, uh, Amy and I have this dream of doing a project uh, where it's maybe over the holidays, where we live stream kind of like a Yule log, but it's actually the diffusion furnace for the uh, the chips. Nice. Um, because it takes a long time to do the chips, right? It, yeah. You do some really exciting work for 30 seconds, like putting the pattern onto the wafer, and then you put it in a furnace and wait six hours. <laughs> um, but we're thinking about inviting friends over, you know, celebrating, you know, live streaming it and then at the end we'll have some transistors and then we'll do guitar pedal pedals with them because these transistors suck so badly that all they'd be good for is distortion so nice. that's cool yeah <laughs> i think she came up with the idea of calling them i think one day i said the the fets are kind of mushy the transistors are mushy and she's like well we'll just call it the mush fet uh, guitar pedal <laughs> mush fet yeah. that's good i don't know if you've seen any of that emily um on no. mary's channel yeah yeah, go, go dig and drill down a little in the channel and just look yeah. for that. Um, really cool little series on making your own friggin' transistor. <laughs> you know, they talk about how flattering and like humbling doing some of these videos are. Uh, I probably did that 10 years ago or 12 years ago. And there is like a high school kid that's now done uh, his own transistors. There's a kid that's like in college that's doing like super complicated like full ICs and uh, you know, it's because of 
those videos that they got into this. And there, there's some other kid that's got an electron microscope and I ran into him at, I don't know, the hack of whatever they, the hack of hack a day supercon. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And he comes up to me and he's like, I got an electron microscope because of you and <laughs> you know, tell me all about your electron microscope. How many electron volts is the sort, you know, he's like rattling off all these specs. Like what's the stigmatism like? I'm like, it's great. I don't know. You know more about electron microscopes cool. than I do now. So it's <laughs> that's cool. That is cool. <laughs> Inspiring people is a, is a jolly, I must say. Yeah. yeah. I had kind of a fun experience on Saturday. I, I went to a, an art show in a warehouse with a friend of mine, which was like, whatever it, it was, it was honestly kind of ridiculous. It was, it was a bunch of hipsters like with their art and like some of the art was cool. And a lot of it was just hipsters like trying to be artists. Um, and I'm from Portland. I can appreciate that. <laughs> so it was like about midnight and my friend and I were like, all right, let's bounce out of here. And we went to a bar and I, we got to the bar and I like looked at my phone and I had a, a direct message on Twitter and I look and it's like someone who follows me on Twitter. And he was like, Hey, this is super random, but were you at a warehouse art party tonight? Because I, I follow you and I could have sworn it was you and I wanted to come say hi, but I was like feeling awkward and embarrassed about it. But yeah, I, I just wanted to see if it was really you. And I was like, yeah, that was me. Like, oh my God, like how weird. Like I just got like spotted in the wild by like someone who follows me on Twitter. Like I've never had that happen before. And it was really cool. Um, I wish you would have come up and said hi at the event, but you know, so it goes. I've had uh, situations like that as well. It's like sometimes, you know, especially at events like Maker Fair, you can see people orbiting, you know, you can see that they're wanting to come up and it's like, you know, either I'll go up and be like, hey, how are you? And try to like break the ice or, you know, sometimes I'll just sit back and watch and just wait for how long they'll, they'll orbit. And you can tell sometimes they're super nervous and it's like, I always like just try to turn it back on them. It's just like, you know, I'm nobody like, you know, tell me about what makes you special. What are you yeah. building? And, and then they'll open up and, <laughs> but I've definitely had those same things where people have spotted me like in the airport and they're like tweeting about it. And I'm just like, like tweeting back, like, well, come over and say hi. <laughs> I'm standing right here. I won't bite. Just wait, where do you get to the point, Emily, where you go to a, you know, another maker fair or some event and somebody comes up and they recognize you and then they follow you around for like 20 minutes. <laughs> That's fun too. It's like, you're still here. Hey, how are you doing? And you know, they just kind of hang around for a while. Yeah. yeah, It's kind of funny. It's that celebrity thing. I don't really want to be super famous because of that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd ever really enjoy that. Yeah. I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this last night. He was at Maker Faire and he said that happens to him sometimes. And then he's just like, man, like I, I've had enough of this person. So he's always just like, Hey, let me introduce you to my friend. You're going to like this person. And he takes him to some friend of his. And then he's like, you guys talk. And then he just walks off and leaves him there. <laughs> Exit stage left. That's so mean. <laughs> we got about uh, maybe 10 minutes left in the podcast. So Jerry, I'd, I'd love to kind of give the rest of this to you to tell us all about your latest project, which is more than just a workbench project. So oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've worked in startups for uh, most of my career, and a couple years ago, like four or five years ago, I started a startup called Cast AR, where we're uh, doing augmented reality um, glasses. Um, got a lot of momentum on that, uh, ended up taking some venture capital, some things went sideways, and the company had to shut down. 
but the technology for these, this AR system was still good. So a group of us from the company that had been working on it pooled all of our money and we went out and purchased the patents and the assets and, and we rebootstrapped the company under the name Tilt5. So now I'm on my second startup called Tilt5 where we're doing augmented reality glasses. And so these are the glasses. These actually have some stars on them because we were being silly the other day and a lightning bolt. But what we're doing is we're taking augmented reality where you can take computer graphics and blend it into the world. And we're merging that with uh, video games and board games. So you slip on the glasses, look at your table, video games just spring out of the table. So taking all the best of what you like about board games, video games, bring them together. Um, it's pretty exciting. There's a lot of really cool tech in this and it's taken us a long time to develop and it's great that we're finally starting to be able to show um, examples of what it can do. You know, for instance, the other day we showed our first card-based demo where you can put cards down on a game board and video game characters spring out of the table and fight each other and, and have this Western battle. We have some other really cool, like, um, blended reality experiences that we're going to show in a, in a week or two where you, we're going to put some physical objects down and then we're going to wrap them in graphics. Awesome. Yeah. What, where does the Tilt 5 name come from? Uh, that's an inside joke, and uh, we're not going to reveal that. <laughs> I didn't Partly because that <laughs> it's a little mean. and <laughs> Partly <laughs> it uh, just makes people, uh, you know, wonder. It, it's kind of fun. Uh, people speculate what it means. It's a great name, though. It's just like in the logo. I can't rave enough about the friggin' logo. I, I, oh, you like the logo? It's like I an STP uh, oil logo. Is it because you're into cars? No, it's just the, oh. the colors, and it's just the, yeah, it's, there you go. <laughs> cool. It's just a perfectly awesome, well-balanced, round logo. Emily, I think, would agree. Round logos are the shit. <laughs> You can put them on anything. They just go anywhere. And it's just a great, you know, lowercase t and a five and just the way that. All right. I'll tell the, the gang that they did good. I had very little to do with it. I think I was actually the most negative on the, <laughs> the yeah. logo when we were selecting a logo. That's cool. But I'm terrible at those kinds of things. I can see so many possibilities for this too, besides, um, you know, just the, the tabletop gaming. I've, I've mm -hmm. met a couple of times on Twitter and there's just so many, you know, you got the wand that you use. Well, what if you just put on a pair of gloves, right? That have sensors on each. Wand. No, it's not a barbecue lighter. It's actually a wand. <laughs> <laughs> We've been having fun on Twitter because, you know, at Cast AR, part of the reason that we failed is that we weren't focused and we were trying to be too corporate and our investors brought in these big corporate executives that pushed us even more into being like douchey corporate. And so now on the Tilt 5 Twitter account, it's like run by one of our people who's going to rename, uh, rename, <laughs> remain nameless for the moment. And uh, she, not me, is uh, <laughs> bringing a very unique and genuine voice to the, uh, um, the company. And people are really responding to it. It's fun. You're getting a good yeah. buzz going. There's a great buzz happening with it on Twitter. I like it. It's yeah, and like the barbecue lighter thing. People are like, it looks like a barbecue lighter. Like, okay, fine. It looks like a barbecue lighter. So we made a quick game demo where you just hold it over the game board, you pull the trigger, and it lights up a, a flame. Perfect. It's like, yeah. Yeah, fire. Oh, yeah, it looks like a barbecue lighter. Love it. You're going to love it. 
you come back to the fire thing. <laughs> so part of our system, and this is, you know, for your ner more nerdy um, followers, the, what makes it special is we've turned the optical system inside out. So there's a lot of AR, VR systems that try to put the light directly into your eye. And that's a really difficult problem. It has a lot of pitfalls and give people headaches because it's fixed focus. Usually on augmented reality, you end up with really tiny images. So our system's 110 degree field of view and it fills the entire game board, but you need to use the game board because the game board is actually part of the optical system. Okay. And what we've done is we've coated the game board with this material called retro reflector. So light leaves the glasses through these you know, special reflectors here and then go out to the game board and then light retroflex only back to the glasses that have projected it. So you can have any number of users around the system, the game board, seeing their own view into the into the um, the virtual scene. Yeah. And then you can still like so the, the lenses are transparent, so you can see your hands, and you can start wrapping things with graphics and, and so each of our glasses kind of has a unique signature embedded into the light thing. No, it's that optical material. So here's a piece of it. It's uh, won't be able to demonstrate it on hmm. on the on film here, but this silver material is a retroflector. It's like what's on road signs. That's why road signs look so bright at night. Okay. Yeah, like the little beads kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we only put out 0.6 lumens of light, but it's super bright coming back because all the light is emitted from your eyes and then comes back to your eyes. That's great. It's, it's such a lightweight, minimalist piece of headgear too compared to so many things in the past that are just giant yeah yeah so i mean we like to compare it we're we're a quarter of the weight of the other systems we're typically about a tenth the cost mm -hmm. you know and like almost none of the systems are like this kind of form factor where you just you know unfold them and slip them on just like glasses most of them are like you crank them to your head like a welding helmet can you wear so, those over if you have prescription glasses? Are they able to be? Sick? Yeah, yeah. We put a lot of relief behind the the lenses, and then we have different nose pieces, so you can uh, nice. change them out. We actually have a, a nose piece that grabs glasses, so if you have like chunky glasses that you can't get a nose piece to your nose. That's great. That's that's some good thinking and and R and D research stuff. That's great. That's really cool. Well, my background, I did a lot of consumer products, and so. I've been working on this for years, so, so I've been trying to refine it down with the team to make it so it's a consumer product. So it's just, we're going for instant fun. Flip the game board open, slip the glasses on, and start playing a game. Cool. So everything you need is going to be in the box. So you know, the wand, the game board, and the glasses. You know, no sensors or anything. You don't have to clear out your furniture in your living room. It's just fun right in front of you. Great. Sorry, I didn't mean to make it so elevator pitchy no it's perfect i mean it's, a, it's exactly what it is it's just i've been having to go like there's an area in silicon valley called sand hill road where you go and raise venture capital uh, money yeah. yeah like i could go total total douchey uh, elevator pitch but <laughs> uh, you've had a lot of practice i'm sure yeah <laughs> well it looks like we're gonna wrap it up for this week this has been fun yeah it's fun thank you yeah. yeah it's, it's come on. Episode nine, coast yeah. to coast, hack a week. <laughs> so you want to take us out with the keep on hacking thing? Keep on hacking. There we go. All right. Good enough till next time. Bye.